What's up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Professional Athlete Podcast. We have the very special pleasure this week of talking to Joey Mbazy, the founder of Briardale Ostrich Farms, and just so happens to be my brother-in-law. <laughs> and if you thought nepotism was dead, rest assured it's not. Um, no, I'm incredibly excited to share this one with everyone. Uh, Joey, even though he is family, uh, in his own right, is just a fascinating individual. Um, he's an entrepreneur. Uh, he's a fitness advocate and might very well be the most capable person <laughs> I've ever met. Uh, and you're going to hear a little bit about that today. But the reason that I wanted to make sure I had Joey on the podcast is he is doing some amazing things in the world of sustainable farming. And I think the reason that, that matters for the folks who listen to this audience is the quality of meat that you eat is so important. And I think there's so much misinformation um, about what it means to be organic. Uh, you know, wh what are the benefits of beef, chicken, et cetera. And, and Joey has really kind of gone very deep uh, and so passionate about this topic that uh, he has dedicated his life to making ostrich the next sustainable and readily available meat uh, in the U.S. So he's, he's a few years into this journey. It's a fascinating story. You're, you're going to learn more about ostriches than you ever thought you needed to, but at the end of it, you're going to be very happy you did. Um, it's incredibly fascinating. And it, it, I would be remiss if I didn't mention, it has been a while since I've done a podcast. Um, I absolutely love doing these, so I am going to trickle more of these out. It's probably going to be a bit more ad hoc. You know, life gets busy, wife, kids, just trying to stay afloat, folks. But you're going to love this one. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, please let us know what you think. And man, without further ado, let's start the show. Here we go. We're going up. Okay, Joey, welcome to the podcast, sir. We go. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, it was tough to get you out here. Um, you know, <laughs> so been working with your this. people, working with your people for months. I'm glad we could finally get this set up. Eight years now. <laughs> <laughs> um, right on, man. Well, how's everything going? You got a lot going on. It's going good. Day at a time, baby. One day at a time. Exactly. Um, so, so for those who don't know, actually, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, the operation you got going on down there in beautiful Okeechobee, Florida? Beautiful Okeechobee. It is beautiful down there. It but, is, I will say. And I, you know, I'll, I'll talk about it in the intro. But uh, having been there myself, A, not what I expected Central Florida would look like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and B, it was, it was really beautiful. And it's kind of in the middle of like, everything feels kind of dry and arid, but like your farm almost feels like tropical yeah. when you go through certain parts yeah. of it. It's open plains with palm trees. Yeah. A little out of the usual. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, just at a high level, like, you know, what, what, what are you, what are you doing down there? What's going so on? We're a little bit unusual to everyone else too. <laughs> we're in the middle of the biggest cow country. It's actually the biggest cow calf area in the country. Yeah. Then right in the middle of it's big old ostrich farm. Yeah, it's like, so it's, honestly, I feel like whenever I have dinner guests, like without fail, I always end up falling back on telling people about the ostrich farm. <laughs> it's, it's a conversation piece. And they're like, sure. what? I'm like, yeah, no, it's like Jurassic Park. <laughs> what is that weirdo doing with all these birds? Hey man, what's he doing with all those birds out there? 
Um, but no, I mean, I think what you're doing is absolutely remarkable. So I'm really excited to have you on today. Uh, one, I, I think people just in general are going to be interested. But, you know, the more I learn about the ostriches from you, the health benefits, um, I just think it's something that's also really important to kind of raise awareness of. Like there's just so many health benefits. But but maybe that's that's where we could start. Um, you know, I guess, how did you get into ostrich farming? So basically, since I was 15, I've been obsessed with the idea of raising ostriches for their meat and various other products that are able to do a lot of good for humanity. But I've always been in, hor- in horse racing and farming right. my whole life. You know that. And I uh, always knew I was passionate about it. I wanted to make my living being in the agricultural field. Yeah. But I didn't want to be on the hamster wheel of producing for big food and basically just turning out cattle. Mm. Like down there in, in Florida, it's kind of a shame, but everyone's great, hardworking folks producing cattle, but they're doing the hardest part of it, and they're getting the least out of the whole transaction, oh. which is pretty, which is a shame pretty much. Yeah. So I wanted to have something where we'd have the whole entire process all under our control and something that wasn't as well known of a species or a product Yeah. and something that was actually good for humanity and for the environment. And it just turns out that an ostrich was exactly that. Yeah. So how, okay. So at 15, you decided? Yeah. 15, That's 15. even earlier than I thought. So all right, So what kind of sparked your interest in ostrich specifically? Because like you said, that's yes, it was incredibly point, niche. Yeah, right? But it was at a point where dad was having like cholesterol problems. I was always freaked out about it. Yeah. And looking up alternatives to beef because we've always been, and still are, big beef eaters. Sure. But just choosing better cuts now. But- Looking into it, and it's red meat, just like beef. Everyone says, oh, it's so comparable. Mm-hmm. But then we actually did an experiment on it, I think, when I was 19, just right. right out of college. We got five of them. We actually got 12, immediately lost a bunch of them. And then the ones that made it did really well. Everything was correct about the feed conversion ratios, how they grew. They grew so fast. Like, yeah. Never seen anything like it. Yeah. A foot a month, every single month. And then when it came time to actually try it out and see how it was, it was fantastic. Yeah. So then it was both feet in after that. Yeah. Well, and I think that's something too that uh, people are always shocked to hear is that even though it's a bird, it is red meat. Yeah. Right? They're actually darker, darker red than beef. Right. And more iron. Well, you know, and I was talking to someone else about this the other day because we had some ostrich burgers and, every, you know, everyone loved it. Um, and I don't know, I, I always have such a good experience when I cook it right? It's like more tender. It's delicious. And I honestly think that if the average person had it and wasn't told that it was ostrich, they would just be like, oh, wow, that was a really good beef. Yeah. So that's, that's how we started is in college when I was really getting into it and end of the year, end of my last year, Yeah, almost flunked out because all I did was look at ostriches (laughs) (laughs) and how I was going to go about it. But I actually found it at this local butcher shop right down the road. And did it. We got prime fillets, prime ribeyes. Then we got a tenderloin of ostrich. We cooked everything together, had a bunch of people over, did this multiple times throughout the year, probably give or take just over a hundred people. Oh, nice. Okay. So yeah, you had so like, a, you already had like a sample size. Yeah. Cool. So, so just a few, like probably four different, four different times we cooked it alongside beef and gave it to people and people are like, wow, what is this? Everyone, Mostly everyone chose the ostrich. Yeah. There's a few girls that would not eat it because they knew it was ostrich, <laughs> but their, their vote does not count. Yeah, though. it doesn't count. That's fine. That's fine. You don't try it, you don't count. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it, that's the thing that I think people are always first taken aback by, right? Yes. The yeah, fact it's that it's red meat. A zoo animal, basically. Yeah, <laughs> but also, and I would love to talk to you a little bit about this too, uh, I, I can't decide, and maybe you, you could tell me, is it that ostrich in general always just kind of like tastes that high quality or is it that ostrich is like a comparable red meat and it's like the farming practices that uh, you guys use in terms of like feed quality, like their quality of life? Like, is that also, and I'm, I have to assume the answer is yes, but is that really contributing to the flavor and the taste of the meat? Yeah, I think it contributes more than, more than you know. Yeah. I think the big problem with the industry was that, or is today, is that most of it's coming from South Africa mm. and they're raising the birds for <clears throat> mostly their other byproducts being their feathers and their hides. Yeah. More than more so than the meat because okay. they're unable to export to the United States or anywhere else because oh, because of certain USDA regulations for them. Okay, and the fact that's processed in South Africa, but but uh, they raise them to about twenty months old, twenty five months old, and that peak point is between ten and fourteen months. Ah. So that makes a big difference. Okay. Also, all their production is in a feedlot, basically probably ninety five percent of it. Can you describe? Can you describe what a feedlot is? Not to cut you off, but I feel like this is something that it's actually really important that people understand the difference. Yeah. Um, and it's something I don't think I appreciated until I started going on some of these trips with you to go explore yeah. different like ostrich farms. Uh, can Can you talk a little bit about okay what what a you know a stereotypical feedlot might look like where people don't realize that's where their their meat is coming from versus kind of the approach that you take. With the birds, yeah, basically they call them CAFOs, uh, confined feeding operation. Oh, okay. But it's essentially a like a concentration camp. Yeah. For animals, it's pretty it's pretty nasty to go by. It smells bad. It's not a completely unnatural way for animals to exist. Mm -hmm. But it basically, it's easier to keep the animals in a certain spot and bring the feed to them than it is to move your animals around right on a daily, weekly basis and have them get their own feed throughout the fields. And could a feedlot also be like concrete? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So where they feed is typically concrete, okay? Because you, you'll get so much washout with the traffic, with animal traffic, concrete feeders, concrete pad, and there you go. Yeah, and it's pretty with cattle. It's a little more understandable because they're pretty sedentary. Hmm. But with ostriches, it's basically a wild animal, right? So they need to be able to to move and express and express their natural behaviors. Yeah. So for you guys. I mean, and again, I'll, I'll try and make sure we link to some pictures. Well, definitely your website, but also pictures of the farm. It's absolutely gorgeous. But can you then talk about, you know, what a day in the life is like for your birds? And then just on top, you know, in addition to the land being naturally beautiful, like what are the sorts of like steps that you've taken to kind of like optimize the quality of life for these birds up until they're slaughtered? Yeah, so it's always an interesting Thing for people to see hmm. being cow country you see well, down there it's all pasture with cattle because yeah. it's the, the baby stage but you go by and you see a field of ostriches doing the exact same things right all heads down grazing but basically the birds start starts with the egg in the breeding field mm. and they have probably an acre apiece to every bird out there it's good to have them have a lot of a lot of space to roam especially with breeders yeah so they really need to the males really chase the hens down okay to brand them. <laughs> they're brutal on them but out there, take the egg. You gotta wrestle the egg from the from the roosters, which is never never really the <laughs> most fun thing. Wouldn't recommend it. A little dangerous, but you take the eggs. We bring them in our custom-made incubators. Yeah, and then diligently turning them six, seven times a day right. throughout the night, one o'clock in the morning, ten o'clock at night, 
and then all the way all the way through the 42 days but it's a constant rotation of eggs going through the whole facility yeah basically throughout the whole spring winter and fall and only, only once they take off is summertime right now but then once they're out of the egg you bring them into the hatcher then they go basically in groups of groups of their certain sizes okay so by one week old they're already out on grass yeah they're just coming in at nighttime into barns because of predation and and inclement weather mm. but then after three months they're 100 percent outside yeah there's no no barns no nothing necessary for them really actually two and a half months yeah then after that it's weekly rotations throughout different fields we grow a lot of our own probably 90 percent of our own feed on farm okay through different annual annual pastures that we grow the, yeah between the summer and winter seasons but then basically it's the idea this year is to get to 100 percent farm raised feed no, oh, okay. no grain whatsoever just all grass interesting but we're we're working getting a little smarter every season with what to plant yeah yeah so, i imagine that uh it's a steep learning curve um so what what is the thought process behind the like rotation of the ostriches basically so you're rotating because you go we do we practice regenerative agriculture okay so that's basically regenerating the land but also a main goal of it is carbon carbon sequestration oh. so you let the grass grow to a point where it stops the big growth curve is basically done yeah it's called going into senescence and then you bring the animals so you graze the grass back down and that process of the grass regrowing again consumes a lot of carbon oh. and deposits it back into the soil interesting so it's like a double whammy you're getting way more production out of your out of your land by rotating them right because an animals will, they'll just graze it down to where the grass is basically stunted yeah so if you keep rotating them the grass bounce back so much faster and that also helps with things like internal parasites you know having the animals only on for just a flash like flash grazing basically hmm. and then you're not coming back to that same pasture for a certain amount of time so was your was your choice to do it that way um, was that more driven by wanting to be like environmentally conscious? Was that more driven by like what's best for the bird or is it actually just, yeah, it's, it's just both? The beauty part about it is you don't really have to make a hard choice because mm. it, it benefits you both ways. Got it. So it's great to have, you know, be able to do something that's actually improving the ground, but the animal itself, it's great. You're basically, you're practicing regenerative agriculture, doing the same thing you're doing with a, with a beef cow okay. or a dairy cow, but the animal itself and just naturally produces 10 times less methane and carbon per pound of meat produced. That's insane. So you're dealing with the, the basically a better animal for the environment to begin with and doing the same thing that you can do with the cow huh. and sequestering carbon. So why is that? Why, why do they produce so much less because methane? Because they're, they're monogastric. Same thing as basically us or a horse. Yeah, so produce, I, okay, good. I'm glad you, yeah, because yeah. I knew, I didn't know if the listener knew, so I'm glad that we clarified it for everyone at home. But. A cow is, <laughs> man, I, I don't even know, I think a cow has four or five stomachs. Oh, wow. Yeah, and they, and they ferment all their, all the grass, so it's, that's the belching process. Interesting. Um, you know, so for people who are hearing us talk about, like, rotating the ostriches, <laughs> I think people are familiar with the concept of, like, uh, shuttling around cattle. But like you said earlier, like these are wild animals. Oh yeah, there's crazy stories. There's yeah, crazy I would love to get time. into that because like some of the stuff that I've seen you do in person and on video is absolutely insane. <laughs> like it's not just that you're out there like farming. It's like you are, I don't know. It's like half Jurassic Park, half Indiana Jones, like the stuff that you do on a daily basis to keep this place running. Oh yeah, there's near-death experiences every day. It's like a funny thing now. Just ha ha, <laughs> Drew almost died today. <laughs> oh, God. 
That's crazy. Because he's how, how what? All right. The the when they're fully grown, how how big are these birds? Yeah, we have some ten footers. Ten footers <laughs> there. Really? Four hundred, four hundred fifty pounds, and a two thousand psi kick. The big old <sighs> razor nail, razor nail on the end of it. I mean, the feet they look like. Oh yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a dinosaur. It's a dinosaur. Foot. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. That's insane. So, like, how how are you handling the birds? Like, so we try to do it mostly through, like, uh, incent- incentivizing them. Okay. So with feed, that's why we'll probably never be able to get a, completely away from giving a certain amount of grain mm. because you need that to be able to move them here and there. Got it. And you can do it on horseback as well. It's yeah. just more of a process usually. We're only going from you know, just through a fence line with them. Yeah. But if you had a big push to make, you could use horses just like you would with cattle. How many how many birds do you guys have now? About eight hundred and fifty right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah, what's right, the, right around there. What's what's the, and that's eight hundred and fifty over how many years? Because you started with like started, you said yeah, the first 15. test was like fifteen. Yeah. That was only a couple years ago, right? Yeah, just a couple years. Then we bought thirty chicks to we moved down to we had four ostriches up here. Yeah. From the first test batch. In uh, Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania. Got it. Then we bought the 30 chicks from Real Good Farm in North Carolina. Okay. And then came down with them and then raised them up to, Off to, the races. to completion. And they're all they're all probably going to live longer than I will now. They're all in the purely breeders. That's crazy. So that that's something that I thought when you were first kind of telling me about this that I thought was really interesting. Uh, and I think like we, you know, if someone's listening, like that kind of like... Uh, you know, explosion in the size of the flock. Yes, like exponential growth. Right? So, like, how many... Okay, so if you've got, um, you know, a laying hen, like, how many eggs will... Uh, and I hope I'm using the right term. It's yeah. a hen, right? Yeah. How, how many How many eggs will a, can a hen produce, like, in a year? And maybe it differs because you're in Florida versus another environment, but, like... Yeah. so it's actually a, a, an extended laying season in Florida. So uh, okay. Temperate weather. Got it. But a good hen can lay upwards of 80 to 100 eggs a year, which is a whole lot of eggs. That's insane. So essentially you have a cow that could, if you get 30 chicks per year per hen over the average, so okay. you have a cow that could produce 30 calves, which is never... Yeah, never like how many, how many calves can a, can a cow produce a year? I think it's a 10-month gestation, one, one, and hopefully that one makes right. it. Right. Okay, so one number one, like... We'll we'll link to the website. People definitely need to try it. Um, but just knowing how the quality of the meat and the taste of the meat is excellent. Why has ostrich raised meat or why has ostrich meat not been adopted in the U.S.? Like why why is it not more mainstream? Why has it kind of like continued to be a, a cottage industry here? Gotcha. Well, there was a big explosion in the '80s and '90s, and early oh, okay. 2000s. But basically, there was a bunch of schemers. It was a big Ponzi scheme, essentially, because <laughs> all these people touted the the how the meat tasted. Meat tastes great. Okay. The reproduction's incredible. Mm-hmm. But then they were basically pumping up what you could do with it, while no one was making a actual market to sell the products. Got Everyone it. was just saying, "Why would I sell a bird for maybe making a, a thousand, couple thousand dollars on the products when I could sell it to this guy for eighty thousand a pair?" Mm-hmm. There's no one was ever going to sell. No one was ever going to sell birds for meat at that price. Got it. Okay. So there's and then some... when it tanked, there was just nowhere to nowhere to go with them. And is it? It's also part of it too that just like handling, you know, yeah. thousands of ostriches is just. Well, I'll ask you. I don't want to assume. Like, would you say it's it's significantly more challenging 
than cattle or is uh, it just like you just have to get processes in place and i think it's just learning the first year was tough with yeah. us it's, it's difficult to keep them alive and knowing the right things to do mm. now it's going extremely well right and we have a very good survivability rate and we're able to accomplish a lot more with a lot less people now yeah because we just have the systems in place to make it you know much more efficient right but i would say it's probably easier with ostriches because you're able to handle them you know one-on-one you don't have to last of them put them through the pens you can just get them yeah you can just you know you can handle them much easier once you know what you're doing but right. it definitely is a tough thing for people to adopt because you're dealing with an animal that probably kills more people than any other livestock in a year <laughs> so you gotta be a little touched in the head to <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be willing to take that risk while you learn um so what okay uh, people would probably love to hear this like what are some of like the crazier experiences you've had Handling. And we won't even, I don't, we can get yeah. into the gators that you're constantly <laughs> dealing with in Florida as well. Yeah. It's, um, but yeah, what, what are some of like the more hair raising situations that you've been well, in? The biggest learning experience for me was I first, I got a bunch of mature breeding birds. Okay. Got three roosters, four, three roosters and 15 hens. And I brought them back that, oh, this is great. I built the field for them. And I'm walking out there in my underwear and boots in the <laughs> middle of the summer in Okeechobee. <laughs> and then I realized why you're never supposed to do that. I got pinned behind three trees. This rooster's going at me like unbelievable. Kicking the tree, bark is flying off the tree. Oh my god! And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm going to die in my underwear. I'm going to have found in my underwear and boots <laughs> in the middle of this field. Killed by an ostrich. What's that guy doing to those birds? Yeah, needless to say, I got out of there safe. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, what, what do you like? How do you, can you establish dominance? Like, yeah. is that even an option or is it yeah, just yeah. like... you have to sometimes. Okay. There's been times where you got to fight them. <laughs> you're, not run, you're not running from them. Yeah. So you gotta, what, how fast can they run? Like 50 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. They get up to that speed pretty quick. But you just, what you have to do is you have to get, as long as you get the neck yeah. in your hand, they know not to kick because they'll, they'll hit their jugular. Oh. So they're smart in that, in that sense. But if you don't have that and they get their head to where you can't get them, they're just going to kick you into tomorrow yeah well and i've seen you too when you handle them you throw what a yeah. sock or yeah yeah it's a call it a hood but it's basically a sock or a sweatshirt yeah, yeah sweatshirt yeah. sleeve that you once they're blinded once you have the the hood over them they can't see you can pretty they're they come down passive a lot. you can bring them where you gotta where you gotta take them to that's that's crazy well and uh i don't think i've ever talked about it on the podcast um but when you got those first birds, I, I think you would remember oh this. Oh my god! When we went over to the farm in Pennsylvania, <laughs> I was just thinking about. <laughs> and this I had to the try day. and corral them, and they, I get this call. It's like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna move the birds down to Florida. Would you mind coming over to help? <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't mind. I grabbed my high school football day. helmet. <laughs> I think I grabbed like some oven mitts. It was insane. I mean, it was literally. I mean, the ostriches running full speed. Oh, we yeah. in between us and I don't know if there's six, seven or eight of us out there. There's a lot of us. Trying to corral them, tackle them. <laughs> it was nuts. I was just thinking how simple that would be now doing it versus yeah. back then. Oh, my God. Oh my God, man. I really was like, I, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Yeah, it's scary. It's, at first, it's, a, it's an intimidating thing. Oh, my God. It was nuts. Yeah. That was probably one of the more crazy experiences I've ever had in my life. <laughs> now that I reflect back on it. That was insane. I mean, people are very terrified. I had a guy just two weeks ago we're trying to hire, find people to hire for as we're growing. This yeah. guy stayed up for th- three days 
It never even showed up again. I couldn't get a hold of him. Just I couldn't even up. pay him for the three days. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. How? Yeah, how do you find people? I mean, everyone, I mean, I guess just has to be willing to be trained. Yeah, right? we just tell them it's a, it's a cow farm. And then they come out, it's like, just kidding. <laughs> this is ostriches. But you're here now. <laughs> and, and you can't leave. You got your foot in the door. The gate's closed. You can't leave. Don't mind the dogs. <laughs> um, so we spent a lot of time talking about the ostrich meat, which again... Uh, I think is really exciting. But one of the things I had a lot of fun learning about was like all the other uses, uh, and I'll call them products, I guess, but yeah. like all the other things that you can be used from the bird for like a, a variety of different reasons, whether it's like fashion, health. Mm-hmm. Um, could we could we talk about that? Because I think that's another thing that is, it feels unique compared to other livestock. I mean, c- cattle has leather, I suppose, but yeah. Uh, can we talk a little bit about some of those other things that you can do with the bird? Yeah, that's the nice thing about it is there's really zero that goes to waste, mm. and you have a whole other product with the feathers, which is both useful in fashion and in the automotive industry. Yeah, why the automotive industry? Why the, why the automotive industry? I believe every every single car manufacturer has enormous ostrich feather dusters feather dusters for that removes all the microfibers before right. the final paint job process which is super interesting i'm not sure how fast they're going through these feather dusters but yeah i mean come on man <laughs> something we need to learn about exactly we need to get in touch with gm and almost every feather that you see in women's fashion is coming from an ostrich yeah and you know what since you told me that um, I now see them everywhere. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Once and I never looking. paid attention before. I mean, God, I was just in Vegas for work. Yeah, yeah. You know I mean, they are every, everywhere. So maybe that's not fair, but uh, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Um, but then you know, ostrich leather. Ostrich leather. It's actually the most tactile strength of any leather, pound for pound. And is it really in the world? I think besides elephant. Oh, besides no elephant. Kidding. Yeah. And elephant. Pound pound, uh, elephant leather. It's, it's look tough down stuff. Upon. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. They don't like to get your hands on that. Not actually, the most sustainable thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we've got we've got the leather, um, but one of the things I wrote down that I definitely wanted to ask you about today um, is the ostrich oil. Yes, that's probably maybe the the best product off the whole entire ostrich is the oil. Hmm. It's almost miraculous healing powers. I yeah, always yeah. I ne- we never even considered it. As we were getting into ostriches, right? I always thought it was like snake oil, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then I had a lady working with us that you met her, Trish. Uh huh. And one day I bent my nails back, and she had just made some ostrich oil from the fat that she had rendered. Right. And put it on. Within six days, my nails were completely gone on two fingers. Hmm. Like they're halfway. They were bent all the way back. I had to cut them off. In six days, it looked just like they were short nails. Really, it was incredible. Then everything after that, experimenting with people with eczema, dermatitis, you right. give it to them and it's immediate results, it's immediate relief, and the eczema actually winds up going away once they keep using it. Then as soon as you stop, it creeps back. Mm-hmm. But as long as it's just so powerful and so close to what our actual natural skin oils are, that it just speeds up the healing process by five or ten times. That's something that I think, you know, just like being a part of the family and, and watching you do this, what I've enjoyed a lot. Uh, among other things, is watching you just kind of like figure this out through your own testing and exploration. Um, and I know there's been a lot of research done on like ostrich eggs, ostrich oil, mm-hmm. and, and that's like kind of a burgeoning uh, area of research. But um, did you or did you not stick your hand in a pile of fire ants? Yeah, a few times. 
with the sole intent of seeing how ostrich oil would treat the bites and the the burns. Yeah, but then that's probably was less bad than the olive oil pouring the olive oil on my hot legs. olive oil. Yes, the, the sizzling olive oil. So you actually did do that. Yeah, and no scarring, no bug bites, and no scarring. I thought your sister was messing with me. No, but I, I left one untreated, which I really regretted. It was a huge boil. I didn't put any <laughs> ostrich oil on it, but the ones you, you put it on right away. And you get no symptoms from a burn. That's which crazy. Is pretty incredible. There's another the farm that I bought the chicks from. They had yeah. a guy get actually lit on fire, oh, lighting man. a fire with gasoline. They put it all over him. He had no hair in his face or his head. They put it on him. He didn't have any scarring. Really? Yeah. So it's he's get it on right away. It should be like an essential to have in any kitchen because that's any crazy. kind of crazy burn accident, you're good to go. Yeah. Yeah, I just I think that's really fascinating, right? Because it's like the meat is obviously it sounds like what brought you into it. Yeah. And then you identified all these other areas, but this ostrich oil piece, um I don't know. It's just exciting. Um, because like you know, to hear like your kind of like anecdotal like research <laughs> and like how it's gone, but then also, you know, uh we've talked we've talked about keeping our hair. Yes. Uh one of us <laughs> is a little more challenged in that regard than the other. Um, but aren't like, there's some like really interesting studies that people are doing. Uh, what, what is it? It's something about like the ostrich immune system. Yeah. So basically it's DHT, right? That okay. causes your follicles to start. It's what eats away at your follicles. The yeah. DHT. So they're injecting the birds with DHT Okay. and then harvesting the antibodies from it, from the yolk of the egg. Right. That's, they have like the, they have the strongest immune system of anything on land. Yeah. It's amazing when you see one of them get injured. They can have a joint infection, which animals usually do not survive survive from. Hmm. And in a week, you can't even tell which bird had the had the cut on the joint, yeah. had the infection. It's that the healing process is so rapid. But I think that's what they're utilizing there is their extremely advanced, like 65 million year old immune system right. that they have. I mean, they, they literally are from like a... Yeah, they were with the dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> that's insane. No, it's it's so cool. Can we, um, you know, one one of the things I wanted to ask you about too is, um, I, this is just fascinating to me. And if someone's afflicted with this, this is going to be super relevant. But uh, the Lone Star Tick, uh, the Alpha Gal. Yeah, can you can you explain to people what's happening? Um, because now since you've made me aware. Uh, I've actually found a lot of people who either they are dealing with this or a close family member like. Yeah, it's incredible that you're finding a lot of people. Yeah. Most folks that are affected with it, they, can't, they don't even know they have it. Right. They just think they're being sick every time they eat meat. Yeah. But the bad thing is that you can't really tell that it's from the meat because it's a delayed it's a delayed reaction by three to six hours. And, and so tell, tell, tell people a little bit about like what's what's happening. So basically, it's the Lone Star tick, but really any tick can okay. give it to you. It's There's alpha-gal as a carbohydrate or a sugar molecule in the blood of any mammal. Okay. I think besides us, we don't have it. But any mammal that we're eating, beef, pork, lamb, yeah, really anything that gives live birth. But the tick bites this animal and then bites you with giving you traces traces of this alpha-gal carbohydrate oh, and then goes into your bloodstream. We come into contact with it all the time, but through our stomach. But once it enters our bloodstream, our immune system doesn't know what it is and then starts attacking it. Yeah. And then every time we eat beef or any mammal and mammalian meat, it attacks our basically attacks our immune system. So basically, you become allergic. Yeah, and to red meat. One time you can just get hives. Next time nothing. Then the next time anaphylactic shock. It's a it's a pretty serious pretty serious illness. Yeah, I've uh the the, the folks that I've talked to 
Um, I was just, at, you know, I had like a, a business dinner and one of the guys just was like, he was ordering the fish at a steakhouse. And, you know, one of his like coworkers made a snide comment. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, well, you know, I, I, I can't eat red meat anymore. And I kind of perked up. I'm like, what's, you know, what's going, what's going on over there? Why can't you, why can't you have red meat? He's like, yeah. He's like, I don't know. I, you know, I go back and forth between Texas and Wisconsin um, and just out of nowhere, I just like started getting really sick and I couldn't figure it out. And then I finally pieced together that it was every time I had red meat. And then at some point, you know, I just doing my due diligence, talking to like doctors, I figured out that I must've gotten bit and I have this alpha gal syndrome and I think it's a syndrome, right? Yeah. Um, he's like, yeah, I just, I can't eat red meat. So now I just, I have to stay away from it. Um, but what I think is so interesting, right. Is like ostriches, red meat, but for some reason, yeah, it's non-mammalian. Yeah, it's it doesn't trigger it, right? Basically, it's like it's, they could combine a, a turkey and a cow. But because it's a non-mammalian red meat and it's so close to beef, that it really makes having alpha-gal not really an affliction anymore. So yeah. You have, a, you have a viable substitute. Right. Which is a great thing, but also it's very interesting about the alpha-gal because the Lone Star tick has been around for God knows how long, probably as long as any other tick has been around. Right. And now we're just starting to get this. So the, the water probably runs a little deeper uh, with where it's originating from. Yeah. There's a lot of conspiracy theories about it out Perfect. there. Right? Hold on. Let me get my tinfoil hat. More to dive into. I have it somewhere, I have it somewhere here. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, one, that's terrible. Uh, I'm terrified of ticks. That's that's one of the things. Yeah, that everything that, bad comes from ticks. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I know. But um, when I do talk to folks, they're excited because, yeah, it's like a, a viable a viable substitute. Yeah, and that's the hard part is just finding all these people now because it's such a, a young thing. There's not much not much exposure about it. I actually think it was National Geographic today put a big blurb about it. Oh, on, really? On Instagram. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I, I mean, I could very easily see, you know, because like people are familiar with Lyme's disease. It's mm -hmm. like it's easy to understand how you might not realize you got bit by a tick um, yeah. and then find out you have Lyme's disease. But then to like, I just, I don't know. I, I never would have imagined a symptom would be that all of a sudden I can't eat red meat. Yeah. And the thing, it comes from a carbohydrate in, in the blood of an animal. Yeah. It's, I don't know. That's, even crazier to think. That's freaky. All right. So something I want to ask you, starting an ostrich farm is ambitious. Okay. For anyone. But you started it, I mean, I don't think I'm like right out of college, yeah, right? Like, like what, six, 22, 23? Like a six-month delay. I mean, like what what has that process as a as an entrepreneur been like for you? Well, it's been a, a lot of learning, a lot yeah. of lessons learned the hard way. Yeah. A lot of things I look back on every day still to this right. day. It's like, man, if I had done this now instead of then, it would have been a lot different. But that's the kind of the beauty part about it is this trial and error. That's what I believe makes it an opportunity mm. still is that there is no rule book. Yeah. And what's known about them is so tightly guarded in South Africa because it's their industry. They have the monopoly on it. Interesting. And they're not, they're not willing to give that up at, with no, without a fight basically. So they want us to basically learn, our, learn the hard way. Yeah. And really that's the best way to do it in my opinion, because we've come up with a lot of things that I feel are better than how it's done over there just on what I've read about their survivability rate, right. and hatch rate and breeding. And you're, and you're building, I mean, not, I mean, look, I already know some of this stuff cause I've seen it. Um, but I mean, you're building a lot of this stuff custom. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which so is pretty the, cool. From the processing facility to all the incubators, to yeah. the chick facilities. Well, and we were talking about this beforehand too. Like I think starting a business is one thing, 
that alone can be extremely challenging. But like the level of responsibility that this type of business demands, you know, it's like a, you were saying before, you're like, I hate leaving the farm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a stressful thing leaving the farm. Yeah. I mean, so like for you, this isn't like a five day a week, 40, 50, 60 hours. I mean, you said earlier on the podcast, like you're getting up in the middle of the night and turning these eggs, right? I oh, mean, yeah. it is like full, I mean, it's your life. Uh -huh. I guess when it starts feeling like work, it's going to be a, a bad sign, but now I just enjoy it so much and thoroughly enjoy everything. Even the even the early mornings, getting up and just like seeing the eggs actually coming out. And yeah, it's like it's all coming to fruition. Yeah, it's just like the best the best feeling in the world, really. So I don't. I think if if you're doing something that you don't like and you're doing putting those hours in, it's it's a recipe for misery. Oh yeah. But doing it if you if you're really passionate about it and you can really see I can really see the future in it. Yeah. And see how it can do so much good for. For everybody, everybody involved. Yeah, it really, really keeps keeps the wheels moving. Yeah. So what's uh, what's what's next for Briardale Ostrich? Uh, three million birds a year, one percent of the beef market. <laughs> Love it. And and can people? I mean, this will this will probably launch here in in a couple weeks. Um, can people start to get this at home? Yes. Yeah. With nationwide delivery. Nationwide well, delivery. The, lo the lower 48. Lower 48. Yes. Order from Alaska the other day. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Alaska, British Columbia. They ordered 20 bucks of meat and it was $65 shipping. <laughs> I, don't think it's, I don't think it's worth it for you to get this. <laughs> yeah. Ah, they'll, they'll figure it out. Um, that's awesome, man. And so, okay, where, where can people find out more about what you're doing with Briardale Ostrich? Basically, the number's, on, the number's on the website. You can give me a call. <laughs> oh, there we go. Joey's personal phone. But you can go on the website. There's a lot to learn on the website. And then there's also plenty of other good resources online. Yeah. You can read things about AlphaGal. We need to start making more blogs about it mm. and bring some more awareness to it because it would be nice to have a place where people could actually learn about it and not have any, any barriers up for them. Yeah. Especially with AlphaGal because it could be so serious. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's just one of those things. Um, I mean, we, we eat it as often as we can. And I think the overwhelming experience is people are always like shocked. They're like well, ostrich, number one, yeah, number two, they don't expect it to be red meat. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, I think it's, I think one ostrich in itself is interesting, but I think you can actually kind of like, you can really taste the quality. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, and I think that's that should be true probably for anything you eat, right? Mm -hmm. um, but with this, it's just like, man, I just feel good. I feel light. I can't remember right. if we even talked about it. Did, did we talk about like the the actual like health benefits? I don't think we did. Can we just hit, can we hit that really quick? Because I think people yeah. would be surprised by that too. No, it's, it's legitimately the healthiest meat that you can, you can eat from any land animal. Yeah, less fat and cholesterol than even chicken breast. Hmm. You got a better. Um, Especially mineral content than the most nutrient dense beef, nutrient dense grass fed beef. Yeah, or is grass fed uh, chicken. One of the things that we were talking about too is like for the fitness is is it more a higher protein? Yeah, so too? I believe it's four four grams higher per hundred gram serving. Wow, in protein than than beef. Yeah, and then I think three grams more than more than chicken. Can't really remember right now, but it's higher protein, lower fat, lower calorie. Yeah. So the I believe it's the calorie to protein ratio. It's just off the charts. Yeah. So it's, I believe it's 100 calories less per serving than your like 80-20 beef. Really? Yeah. 
Yeah, man, it's fascinating. And that, that's the thing. It's so interesting. It's like, man, I wonder why it just hadn't caught on yet. But when I've watched you handle these birds, I'm like, okay, I think that's yeah, why. There's I think zero <laughs> supply. There's zero supply. No one yeah. wants to do it. No one wants to do it no here. One, but yeah. The idea is to make it an easier process to learn as much as we can to mm-hmm. make it really simplify it yep. for people and, and the right ways to handle them, manage them. The right facilities is, I guess, the, be- the best way to put it. Awesome. You got to have the right facilities for it. Yeah. Or else it's a lot more difficult. Well, Joey, man, this is this has been a uh, a great conversation. Uh, it's been really cool to watch you build this business, and I'm sure you'll be at three million in no time. No especially time flies, especially baby. if these hens keep laying those eggs at the rate <laughs> you're talking. Yeah, well, thank thank you for doing this. this been yeah, great. oh man, my pleasure. Um, I'll make sure to link to the website. Uh, and where Beautiful. where can people follow you on like social media? Yeah, Briardale Ostrich Farms. Briardale Ostrich Farms. Right. Briardale Ostrich Farms. Perfect. All right, man. Well, we'll have to we'll have to have you back here. In the near future, get it, get an update on how everything's going. Progress report. Absolutely, awesome, man. Right, Joey, thanks, thanks for having you. Thanks for having us. Thank, thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>